Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. John's Gospel is quite famous for the way that it opens up with his very first words. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. Now, the time that we usually hear this actually is around Christmas time. It's actually the assigned gospel reading for Christmas Day because it's particularly well known for what John then goes on to say next when he states, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, that's such a profound statement that the word of God, the word through whom all things were created, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the word took on human flesh and blood. And the word, therefore, dwelt among us. And that's something that we as Christians celebrate not only at Christmas time, but each and every day in our lives as Christians and of course, for all eternity. Now, what John put so profoundly at the beginning of his gospel, Mark, in his gospel, shows us Jesus doing just that. We see today what it means that the word of God, Jesus Christ, who has been, uh, who has been incarnate in human flesh and blood, what it means that he dwells among us especially as we focus now upon his second of the two miracles we hear today in our gospel reading, the healing of the deaf man. Now, in the second half of Mark chapter 7, Jesus is back on the move. After facing opposition from the Pharisees and the scribes, Jesus once again travels out of the country, out of Israel, and goes into a completely different country. He's in the land of the Gentiles. He first goes to uh, Tyre and Sidon, cities along the Mediterranean, where he, where he meets and, and heals the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman. And then he goes into the Decapolis, a region named after 10 well-known Greek cities, 10, Deca, the Decapolis. And Jesus was showing that, that he hadn't only come to be the Messiah of only Israel. He had done that, but he had also come to be the Messiah of the whole world. Now, Jesus had been in the region of the Decapolis before. Back in Mark chapter 5, when, when Jesus was, was more so virtually anonymous, the only person who came out to meet him was a demon-possessed man who lived in a graveyard. But Jesus then cast out those demons. He sent them into a herd of pigs and drove them into the sea. And when the people of the Decapolis, when the people of the region saw this power of Jesus and the de destruction of their livelihood, they begged him to leave. The newly healed man, however, he fell at Jesus' feet and begged to follow him. But Jesus told him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You see, Jesus had told this man to go and share the word. And so now, later on in the gospel, we are going to see how that word has fared, how the word dwelled in the Decapolis. 
Now the man must have done what Jesus had told him to do, speaking to his friends and family and others, and the word must have traveled fast because when the word made flesh arrived on their shores again, Mark tells us that Jesus cannot even hide himself, even though he tries. A crowd gathers, this time not begging Jesus to leave, but begging Jesus to perform miracles and heal their sick. And that's when this deaf man with a speech impediment is brought before Jesus. Now Jesus doesn't only heal the man, he heals him in a way that's going to show the power of the word. You notice how much detail Mark provides us in this passage, uh, describing all the, the somewhat strange actions that Jesus takes with him. First of all, Jesus removes this man from the crowd, takes him off privately, and then he puts his fingers in his ears, showing him that he knows where it is the man is suffering. And then Jesus spits and places his fingers on the man's tongue, again, the place where the man is suffering. And in those two simple actions, Jesus has touched this man where he knows he is most vulnerable. Jesus is communicating to this man that he knows him and he knows his suffering. But Jesus also knows something else. Jesus knows that he is the word who has come to dwell among us. He knows the power of his word and he knows the only possible source of this man's salvation. And so Jesus looks up into heaven, the place from which he came. And then he sighs and he speaks to the deaf man, a life-giving word, Ephatha, be opened. Jesus knows the sorrow of this man, and in a way that, that a deaf person could understand, Jesus embodies for him the life-giving word he was about to speak. Jesus uses a sign language of sorts. He's touching his ears and touching his tongue and looking to heaven. And Jesus is making it clear to this man that he knows. He knows him. And he will save him. And with this word, Jesus brings him healing. And what we marvel at today, with this simple word that Jesus embodies for this man, is how powerful and how profound this word truly is. And it shows us how powerful and how profound the word of God that dwells among us is as well. Now, just track with me for a moment here. You see, John has said that through the second person of the Trinity, the word of God as he's known, all things were created at the beginning. It was a, a simple word, let there be light. But then the first of all the created things in the universe appeared out of nothing. And so that went for six days. God spoke and powerful and profound things happened. And it was the same creative word, therefore, that John says, took on human flesh and dwelt among us. But this word, he didn't come as a magnificent person, at least not according to worldly standards. He didn't come as a, as a prince or a, a military commander. The word came as a carpenter's son. 
He was born lowly. He lived lowly. He died lowly. And yet it was a life filled with incredible moments like this one from Mark's gospel to demonstrate that the word he brings, that the word of God he is, is anything but lowly. He may be a simple word, but Jesus is powerful and profound. And the greatest moment of all is when we do see that word up on the cross, stricken, smitten, afflicted, all for us, all for our sins. The word of God went to die so that we would not have to bear that burden. And what do we see there at the cross? We see the word made flesh, giving up his flesh. You see, it's a word for us. Jesus at the cross looked up to heaven the place from which he came. And he spoke again a life-giving word. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he said, it is finished. It's a simple word, and yet a word that is powerful and profound. The same power that created the entire world is now speaking absolution over the entire world. And then he sighed, knowing full well our suffering and our sin, and he gave up his spirit. The word came from heaven and dwelt among us, and so he knows us. He knows where we are most vulnerable. He knows our sorrow. He knows our sin. But he is the powerful and profound word of God who also knows the source of our salvation. It is Jesus. Jesus who came to give, our, give himself for our sins. And to rise again so that we might have resurrection and life. And by the way, it will be this same word that will one day recreate us in the resurrection of all flesh. Giving us perfectly healed and restored bodies so that we may live with him forever. Until that day, Jesus has given us this word. So that it may continue to dwell among us also. The word of God continues to work powerfully and profoundly in real and concrete ways among us. And that's why we're, that's why we're here today. To receive the word of God. Think about all the ways that the word is coming to us today. In song. In scripture. In sermon, in sacrament, in the social interaction among brothers and sisters in Christ, like the deaf man in Mark's gospel, the word has also touched your ears today as you have heard it. And it will also touch your tongue as you receive it in the supper. All this to bring you what you cannot bring yourself, which is life and salvation and forgiveness and restoration. And when we have received this life-giving word, like the deaf, well, excuse me, like the man who was begging Jesus to stay with him in the Decapolis, well then Jesus also gives us a command. 
to bear his word into the world around us. To be agents of the word of God as he dwells among us. But how is this done, we might wonder. Especially nowadays when it seems like it's becoming harder and harder to speak about our faith. In our world today where it seems like more and more people are inclined not to listen. The Christian faith is is usually being considered now by a a fantasy by some or, or perhaps even as hate speech by others. People are so resistant to any kind of truth that they will resist and even reject God's word in any attempt for us to bring it up. And even within our own circles and in our own families, we can also see it resisted. Or perhaps even worse, we see it forgotten. We may even forget it at times. It may be too easy to overlook this powerful and profound word of God because we just may be too busy or we think we have better things to do or we're just out of the habit. What then in all those times, what then should we do? Well, the only thing we can do We return once again to the life-giving word of God. We return to Jesus and we receive his mercy and grace. You know, being in church on a regular basis is probably the most important thing that someone can do in their entire life for their faith. And it's because it's here in his church where Jesus gives us his word. We're not gathering here first and foremost to to, uh, offer something to Jesus or because we're earning bonus points for God. We don't gather here first and foremost because we like the, the service and we're being entertained. No, we gather here first and foremost because we are sinners in need of Christ. We need Jesus. We need him to serve us. We need him to save us. And that's exactly what Jesus does. That's why we are here. We receive the word of life right here over and over again, week after week, because we need it. Week after week, we are forgiven and strengthened and reminded how a simple word can still be so powerful and profound in our lives today. And let me also take this moment just to remind everyone that that part of our Sunday routine, including uh, going to worship, is also going into Bible study together. Our Sunday classes, as we spoke about, begin next week for all ages. And then on Wednesday nights, the Wednesday after that. Now, this is one of the the greatest strengths that I noticed about Christ our King coming to this congregation when I arrived here, that, that that the people here are people of the word. We like to be in Bible studies. People are genuinely connected to the life giving word of God. And we have many faithful leaders who are also leading those studies. But there's always room to grow for all of us. How powerful and profound would it be If everyone at Christ our King were connected in both worship and in word, in Bible study. 
And that should be our goal, that 100% of those here at Christ our King are regular in both worship and in study. That doesn't mean that we're perfect every week or that we can't miss a week when things come up, but it does mean that that is the, the the regular pattern of our lives, that we are people who are shaped by God's Word. And when that's the case, when we live as those who have been shaped by the life-giving word of God, then we are truly inclined to bring it then to others. Again, there are many in our world today who who may not want to hear the word. They may not want us to speak it. They will resist it at every chance. But it doesn't mean that we as people of God can't still embody it. You see, that's what Jesus was doing for the deaf man. He was embodying the word of God that he is in the deaf man's life. And that's what we can do as well for others. We can show love towards others. We can show a, a moment of compassion for someone who is suffering. We can care for the needs of those who are in need. That's what James was talking about in our epistle reading today. He knows we are not saved by our good works, but instead we are saved by Christ and Christ alone. And those who are saved by Christ naturally, out of the love that has been shared with us by God, we will share that love with others. We will do good works, not for ourselves, but for others. We will clothe them if they need clothes. We will feed them if they need food. That's what it looks like when the word of God dwells among us. And then, of course, we will also speak the word as well, even though the world may not want to hear it. And you don't need to be a professional speaker to do so. You don't need a a master's in communication. You simply go to the people whom God has placed in your life, your family, and your friends, and you speak the word. As simple as it may be, something as simple as Jesus loves you even more than you know. And you take comfort knowing that a simple word is enough. Because as we've seen and heard today, the word of God may be simple. But the word of God is always powerful and profound. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.